Welcome to episode two of The Gear Room. I'm your boy, Drew. On this episode, we'll be discussing the top five things to consider for first-time gun buyers, top five pistols for new gun buyers, and I'll wrap it up with my Super Bowl predictions. Let's gear up and dive right in. Before we dive into today's podcast, I want to make some correction on information from the previous podcast. This is mainly on HR 127, okay? First off, I want to address some corrections that need to be made. My apologies for any errors. I will work to eliminate that in future podcasts. The corrections are mainly addressed in HR 127. First off, this legislation seeks to create and implement a national firearms registry. I said before, they seek to create a registry on a federal, state, and local level. For this legislation, this is not true. In President Biden's gun policy on his website, he plans on incentivizing state and local agencies to create registries with grants and federal money. Just another way the White House was wasting our hard-earned cash, right? So I wanted to clarify that, but it, but there is a possibility we could see state and local registries in a different legislation. So it's not coming now, right, with H.R. 127 by uh, Representative Celia Jackson Lee out of Tejas. It's going to come uh, eventually down the road, potentially, with further legislation on a state and local level wanting gun registries. But it's not currently within that within that legislation. So I want to make that clarification. OK, uh, the second uh, correction is also coming from H.R. 127 when it comes to the weapon and ammunition ban and the potential fines and jail time that I discussed at the very towards the end of the podcast. I said the fine for being in violation of these bans would be be between 50K and 100K and uh, 10 to 10 to 20 years in prison. <clears throat> I was wrong on that information again slightly okay it only applies to ammunition and magazine ban it does not apply to the weapons ban okay here are here are the penalties for possessing uh possessing guns with no license transfer of firearms and ammunition to an unlicensed person loaning of guns and ammunition to an unlicensed person i'm referencing this information from firearm policy coalition's website okay so for possession uh possession of guns uh and ammo without a license that's 15 to 25 years in prison God damn. And 75K to 150K. Or you could get both. So you can get the fine or you can get jail time. So you can get 15 to 25, 75 to 100,000. That's that's ridiculous, man. That 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 is absolutely ridiculous. They're they're trying to they're trying to fear monger you into forced compliance. But that's the first one, okay? The next one is gonna be the transfer of a firearm or ammunition to an unlicensed person. 10 to 15 years in prison minimum 50 to 75k or both all right giving uh giving guns and ammunition to an unlicensed person five to ten years in prison 30 to fifty thousand dollars in fines or like i said you can get both loaning of guns and ammunition to an unlicensed person that's going to give you between a five thousand to ten thousand dollar fine so the cheapest fine that you can have from this potential weapons ban and ammunition ban and magazine ban, all that stuff combined, the potential time that you can get, oh well, the potential fine that you can get, not time, potential fine you can get is as low as five thousand and as much as a hundred and fifty thousand dollars for owning stuff that you are already allowed to legally possess before they put this ban in place. That, my people, is goddamn ridiculous. It is fucking ridiculous. They're trying to they're trying to trying to create forced compliance with this. That's the only thing they're trying to do. They're trying to make the severity 
of they're trying to make the severity of it monetarily wise or with the fear of jail time to force you into compliance to stuff that you already own legally beforehand. So they're trying to make you into a criminal for stuff that you legally own because they don't like it. What sense does that make? You're just trying to turn millions of Americans into potential felons for noncompliance because of something that is unconstitutional to their rights. So you're essentially making their rights into a privilege. But I'm kind of getting off topic real quick here. OK, uh, let me finish this part off. <clears throat> so you're going to have five thousand five thousand to one hundred fifty thousand dollars in five. And then you're going to have anywhere as lead the minimum of five years to twenty five years in prison. That's crazy, man. That prison time is crazy. Five to 25 years in prison for breaking any one of these various crimes. 25 years in prison is going to be possessing guns and ammo without a license. So that's <clears throat> that's just people who are going to do straight noncompliance. If you're found with these by the ATF or somebody snitches on you, because we live we live in a time of snitches nowadays. I don't know what America done changed into, but snitches be everywhere. So if somebody snitches on you to the ATF. Or the ATF come for some reason comes not randomly knocking on your door and you are in non-compliance of this potential legislation that is not, let's say this comes to bill, they are going to fine you anywhere between five to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, depending on the violation, right? And five to twenty-five years in prison. If that ain't fear mongering. If that ain't fear mongering, I don't know what is. If that's not forced compliance, I don't know what is. Because the more majority of Americans, when they hear that, they're gonna force it. They're they're gonna comply, and it's gonna be complying by force. And what they're trying to turn your Second Amendment rights into, just like they're trying to turn your freedom of speech into, they're trying to turn it into a privilege, and not a right. But it's a right, not a privilege. And people need to understand that. So <clears throat> be ready. Like I said before in the last podcast, be ready to fight. Be ready to defend your defend your rights and let your congressmen know and your state and local people know on every level that you do not you will not tolerate this because they're gonna they this this legislation has the potential to turn millions of americans millions of law-abiding citizens americans into potential felons because of non-compliance because the people who are with justly within their rights who choose not to comply to this legislation that could potentially become a bill if it does become a bill this bill, like I said before in the last podcast, is the most dangerous piece of firearms legislation that I have ever seen. Like the ramifications of this are enormous and people need to realize that and people need to be prepared. OK, uh, so those are the questions I need to make. One more question I need to make was on the uh, the Timmy trigger, uh, the Glock Alpha Competition Timmy trigger from Timmy triggers. Uh it is also available for Gen 5 now. So it was Gen 3 and 4 and also Gen 5. If you can find one for my people who have Gen 5s like I do, and I told you they were sold out, uh, they weren't coming out until a later point in time. I apologize for that. They all are currently available now. The thing is trying to find one because they sold out like hotcakes. I checked primary arms and they were all gone. Uh, three and fours and fives. So wherever you're at, you might not be able to get one. You might have to put yourself on a uh, let me know when it's back in stock. Uh, wait list uh, just by typing in your email but yes those are the corrections i've wanted to make now we're about to roll into the actual podcast and the first part up is going to be the top five things that a uh, first-time fire on first-time fire owners should consider
All right, let's dive into the first topic of this week. Top five things to consider for new gun buyers. OK, so there's top five things that I think all new gun buyers need to consider before they even purchase a firearm. All right. So purpose. Why am I getting a firearm? Right. Understanding the laws. Training. Training is really big. and I'm going to emphasize on that later uh, in this section of the podcast. But training is really, really big to me. Uh, as a firearms instructor and as a safety officer on the range that, on the local range that I worked at, those are two big things for me: training, uh, safety, and storage of that firearm. Okay, so let's start at the top and work our way back down. All right, we're going to start off with purpose. Why am I getting this firearm? It's a question that you need to ask yourself. Now, is that for self defense? Are you planning on using it for CCW purposes? Is it for home defense? Is it something that's just going to stay locked up at the house and then? Then if something goes bumping at night, you got a way to protect yourself and your family or you're going to use it for straight up recreational purposes. Let's you let's say you've seen some stuff on YouTube of people doing three gun or people doing some really cool shooting stuff that you want to get into for either either if it's from a tactical sense or from a straight up competitive sense that made you want to get into firearms. Cool. At least know why you're getting into that firearm. What is the purpose of this firearm? Right. Uh, you need to to me as a responsible gun owner telling you a potential new gun owner, I feel that's something that you need to figure out before you buy a firearm, right? Um, you got to have mean motives, means and motives, okay? Uh, on owning a firearm to make sure that you know why you got it. Because, you know, it makes sense to, I understand some people just like to have the sense of the concept of, well, I just want to have it just in case. Cool. What's that just in case? Do you plan on carrying it? And you plan on carrying it because you're worried that something might pop off? Or you want it for home defense because you're worried about somebody might break into your house or you might live in a slightly dangerous side of town where you feel like you need a little bit of protection. I ain't mad at you. Just know your purpose. I feel like people need to have purpose on everything that they do in life. And I feel like adding purpose to the reason why you're owning a firearm is important. So it lets you know how you need to train and how you what type of firearms are going to be good for you. Right. Because if a person is doing it for self-defense. I'm not going to suggest the same gun and training for him as a person that's going to be doing it for home defense because their needs are going to be different. Some people might say for home defense, they might suggest a shotgun. That's one of the first things people think of when it comes down to home defense. You know, I think a shotgun is solid for home defense, but it has a lot of recoil to it and has some other disadvantages to it. I think of a PCC, a pistol caliber carbine that shoots nine or 45 or something like that would be a good home defense weapon system. Um, you know, when it comes down to recreational, do you want to start off with pistol? Do you just want to start off with pistol shooting or do you want to jump into rifle immediately? All these things matter. So understanding where you need to go will give you a pathway of where you need to go in your investigation on becoming a new becoming a new gun owner. OK, so all the things, all those things are important. So find your purpose, man. Is it going to be like I said, is it for self-defense? home defense or just recreational purposes, but find your purposes. And that's going to lead you down the road that you need to go from, from there. Okay. Understanding the laws. This is big. Okay. You have to understand the laws, uh, federally, federally state and locally. Okay. Because there, there is no national reciprocity. And I'll explain that after I get through this little spiel, there is no national reciprocity. Okay. So every state's going to have different gun laws that are not going to necessarily apply to your state just the way it is. Uh, the most restrictive states are going to be these ones and they're habitual line steppers. They already these states already know they, who they are. These people who live in these states already know who they are. That's going to be California, New York, California, New York, New Jersey and Illinois. Those are the three or four big habitual line steppers when it comes down to your Second Amendment rights. 
they are trading all over that shit with no questions asked. And they will tell you they are doing it for safety and for gun control. Gun control is just another adjective for restriction of your Second Amendment rights. Gun control, restrictive. Second Amendment rights disappearing, okay? So those two things play together. Now, going back to my point about national reciprocity. So what national reciprocity would do is saying that there would be a blanket understanding of all the gun laws being the same across the nation, okay? So when you went from state to state, you would know what gun laws or you will know what's legal and not illegal, okay? And there you will have a common understanding of it, so you're not breaking any laws willfully, okay? Because nobody wants to break any any laws willfully. You want to, we want to be within the law, and the only way you can be within the law is understanding other state gun laws. That's the only way you can do it. You got to understand your your gun laws within your state and locally, and you got to understand the gun laws federally, right? Because all this shit applies. Right. And if you ever get in trouble for this, you know what the first thing law enforcement is going to tell you? Ignorance of the law doesn't mean that you can uh, break the law. Essentially, it's something to that effect. Right. That was going to give you that line. So be ahead of the game. Know your rights. And then when because sometimes even the cops within those states don't even know all the rights when it comes down to gun rights. So even you being more educated than them is going to give you a leg up. Make sure you don't make sure no stupid shit go down. OK, so. Understand your gun laws. Now, understanding gun laws is pretty hard, right? So I'm going to give you some resources uh, to look into to understanding gun laws for you first time gun buyers, right? So for those first time gun buyers, what you want to look into, these are the, these are the three I'm going to give you for suggestions, okay? To look into for information concerning reciprocity, because some states have reciprocity for CCW, uh, for CCW concealed carry permits and some other firearm stuff they have reciprocity some states don't just just the way it is so you have to you have to learn you have to learn that so three resources i'm going to give you for your benefit on something like this is uscca which is the united states concealed concealed carry association firearms policy coalition and gun owners of america these are three solid organizations that you need to look into okay so cc I mean, USCCA, I'm sorry, pronounce it wrong. USCCA is going to cover your concealed carry stuff. So if you're a person that's looking to conceal carry, they're going to have tons of information on concealed carry stuff, reciprocity laws, uh, getting proper training, insurance when it comes down to uh, firearms insurance, if you get into a, a deadly encounter. All that stuff is going to be a hub at USCCA. This is a good organization. I've talked to people and I know a couple of people who work for USCCA. It's a good organization, good people. So that's something that you need to look into if you're going to conceal carry right. These other two I'm going to suggest are just more broader, right? There are, uh, they are in support of the 2A and the 2A advocacy, but it's more of an umbrella when it comes down to these two, uh, these two, these next two ones. Okay. So we're going to have firearm policy coalition and we're going to have gun owners of America. Okay. Firearm policy coalition is they are generally set up to fight legislation and bills against the second amendment right so they are the ones that are currently fighting fighting in the in the courts for us right and they are very vocal they are very um they are very vocal they're very adamant and they are working for us currently okay they make some great memes if you've ever followed them on instagram their instagram handle is i think gun policy yes gun policy their instagram handle is gun policy Check them out. They have some really good memes. They keep you up to date with what's going on 
in the uh, the bills that they're fighting and the legislation that they're fighting down the road too. That's going to affect you directly as a gun owner. Okay. They also have great resources when it comes down to uh, firearm ownership, new firearms owners, uh, knowledge and training. You can get all that information there also. Uh, okay. And they'll give you places locally within your area that they have kind of like a little database that you can get that information on. All right. Uh, last one is gun owners of America. Gun owners of America is also a really solid one. Uh, they're going to be more broader. They're kind of more like an NRA organization in the sense of uh, they're going to they're going to have legislation stuff and people in the course fighting for us. Right. And then they're going to have more broad training and getting more people into the community and keeping people educated in weapon safety and home safety with firearms and children and all that stuff. That's what Gun Owners of America is really solid for. OK, these are the three organizations that I would direct you towards as a new firearms owners. These are the ones I trust. Um, like I said, I deal with them personally. Uh, I personally donate to Firearms Policy Coalition all the time. I look at Gun Owners of America resources all the time because it's good resources. Same with USC, USCCA. Their resources are solid also. OK, so look into these companies, not companies, look into these organizations, the organization and advocacy groups. They are here for us and they are working for us and to our benefit. OK, if you're going to put your hard money, earn money anywhere, put them there. I will leave links in the description to these to these uh, advocacy groups and organizations in the description. OK, now training. The next one. Training is important to me because me as a range safety officer slash firearms instructor for when they asked me to teach classes is a twofold thing. It's like one, I see a lot of ignorance come in the door. And two, I see a lot of people having pre preconceived conceptions of what they think how a firearm should be held and shot. Okay. If you do not know, it's okay. You just have to remove the ignorance. Okay. So get the proper training. That's the first thing I always tell all people when they're going to, when they're thinking about getting a firearm, it's like, okay, I bought my firearm. What's the first thing I need to do? Take a basic pistol class. Find your local, find your local gun range who offers a basic pistol class to get you the proper training on how to load, unload, safely store, clear malfunctions on that firearm because you need that. OK, you need that knowledge. You need that training and training just doesn't stop with just taking that basic pistol class to become a smart and proficient firearms owner. You have to continue training. It's like anything else in life. If you do not train on it. Not consistently, but at a good basis, on a good basis, on a good weekly basis, it's just going to deteriorate. That skill's just going to deteriorate. I know for me, I train for certain for certain skills and drills daily. I know for some people that might be too much. That's why I had to cut it back when I was about to say daily. If you can do it three times a week, that's perfect. At least you're keeping your skills fresh. And at least you're keeping your training in the forefront so you can apply, apply those building blocks and that foundation that was already built. So that stuff is important. Training is necessary, man. I cannot stress it enough because training is going to be the thing that's going to save your life. When you need to count on your skills, you don't need to be fumbling around with your weapon system. You don't need to be fumbling around trying to figure out, you know, how to load the magazine because the adrenaline is on. And now you just need everything to be memory based, muscle memory. You need to understand this, is how I load it, this, is how I point, aim and shoot. Because if you think that in a hostile situation when your life is on the line that you're going to be able to do those things without any training, you're kidding yourself. You're lying to yourself. 
It's, it's just not going to happen that way. That's just like saying I'm going to jump into a NASCAR or Formula One car and I've only driven one once on a video game in a, in a simulator thing and I'm going to drive Formula One successfully. It ain't going to happen, player. It ain't going to happen. So take your training seriously and get the proper training that you're going to need. OK, I know I'm kind of harping on training, but training is such a big thing because I see so much of a clusterfuck of things on the range that will blow your mind. So me seeing this for the past five plus years, I've been doing this type of stuff. Let's me know that training is key. Like get your firearm. I'm all about it. Buy that firearm. You need to immediately find out where your nearest, you know, basic pistol class is and then build on that education that you get at that foundational level of the basic pistol class. That's why I'm telling you resources like US, USCCA. That's why I'm giving you gun owners in America. That's why I'm giving you firearm policy coalition. I'm not really a big fan of NRA, but NRA even has good resources on this, on, on that type of stuff. So look into that stuff, type of stuff. Training is essential. Training is motherfucking key, man. No questions asked. Training is key. I can't. I'm, I know I cursed on that part because I'm trying to emphasize the importance of training here. And I don't want people to miss that. All right. So we got training. All right. All right. Next, let's discuss safety here. OK. When you take a class, they're obviously going to talk about safety, okay? So if you take a basic pistol class, basic rifle class, they're going to give you safety. They're going to go over your four safety rules, proper range etiquette, and all that stuff at at that class, okay? It's going to teach you probably dissing ass, uh, basic field stripping, dissing, when I say dissing ass, disassembly and reassembly of your firearm, proper function check, uh, your four safety rules, proper range etiquette. Those are going to be the things that are going to be covered in a basic pistol class for safety or rifle or shotgun class for safety, how to properly store it also is going to be held within that information. If they're given a good basic pistol or intro class, all that stuff should be covered. It depends. I'm, I'm saying it should be covered. I know some people in their curriculum might not cover it or just kind of skim over it, but that's, that's important. Okay. So safety is all about education and empowering. Okay. So you want to educate yourself to how to safely manipulate and shoot your firearm and how to safely store your firearm and ammunition. OK, all that stuff is important. So that education allows you to remove the ignorance. OK, and it, it kind of removes the stigma of the boogeyman of the firearm away from it. OK, you have to empower yourself with knowledge and with with that removal of that ignorance becomes power. OK, so education and empowerment are really big to me. Education and empowerment also applies to your significant other. Or your spouse, let's say you finally made it, you and your wife have been talking or you and your girlfriend, whoever it may be. We're talking about buying a firearm because all the nonsense that happened in 2020 and the uncertainty going forward. OK, it just just kind of roused you. You're like, damn, we need to protect ourselves. You finally you finally made that executive decision and say, fuck it. I'm going to buy a firearm and you go and buy one and you bring one home and you tell your old lady, hey, babe, I bought a firearm. And she's kind of like what you bought a firearm we were just talking about it before and that's because that fear kicks in because firearms have been displayed throughout time as the boogeyman right and firearms aren't the boogeyman they have created that narrative that firearms are boogeyman so people have these natural fear against them right so the only way to remove that fear is through empowerment and education so you need to take those things that you learned once you take that basic basic pistol class and foster that knowledge forward OK, so that means you educating your girl. That means you educating your wife or your significant other and letting them know what's going on and how to properly hold, aim and shoot the four weapon safety rules, how to properly store it, 
you know, all that good jazz. Okay. All that applies, man. But you have to do it yourself once in a level. Now I'm a firm believer, a couple that shoots together, stays together. A couple that slays together, stays together. Okay. However you want to phrase it. I agree with both that when you take that basic pistol class, let's say y'all both agreed on buying a firearm. You want to buy a pistol. I'm just going to mainly focus on pistols. You guys need to take that basic pistol class together so you can learn together. So you can remove that ignorance and that boogeyman away from uh, the firearm and empower and educate yourself. That stuff is important, man. Once you remove ignorance with education, the fear disappears. Once you once you remove that fear and people are allowed to see things in a different realm and perspective, that that ignorance and that fear disappears. The firearms are not the boogeyman. We have to. But the only way you can remove that mental boogeyman away from them and away from people is to educate them. So I'm always an advocate about education. I'm always an advocate about safety because safety is important. If more people were in tune with firearm safety and took these basic classes, going back to training now, going back up to training, they took these basic pistol classes and they got the necessary safety. I think accidental gun deaths in this country would go down. Just my personal opinion. OK, um, now, there's probably data that could back up my argument. That's just my I don't have any empirical data in front of me, but that's just my inkling that I feel that that would happen. OK, uh, so you got to empower yourself. And that also goes to if you have children. OK, so children always naturally have a fear of guns anyway. So you have to empower your children also. So what I mean, that if they're old enough, you could teach them how to hold, how to aim, how to shoot it along with the normal weapon safety, the four safety rules. Or if they're young and they are still just have that natural inclination of fear, you can educate them on the four safety rules on, you know, I don't want to say the power, but the uh, the dangers of a firearm and what it could do and all that good stuff and how it is a protector for you and your family. There's a duality to firearms that people miss. And I like to bring that out is that firearms can be used for good and evil. Right. It can be used to be the protector of lives and can be used to be the destroyer of lives of evil men or women. So it plays it has a duality to it, like all things in life has a duality to it. And we need to understand that and respect that. And we need to educate our children. So if you have children in the house, let's say they're like between the ages of seven and ten. Educate them, uh, let them see the firearm, remove the stigma from it, remove the fear from it and let them understand what the purpose that you bought it for. And let them understand the duality of it. OK, I know it's kind of young, but they got to understand the duality of it. Also, there are some great books that you can find for kids. If you're not good at explaining it to yourself, that can help you break it all down. OK, these are two good suggestions that uh, that I'm going to suggest to you that I was I was able to find uh, toys, tools and guns. Uh, a child's a children's book about gun safety. I kind of said that title wrong. Let me correct it. Uh, it's toys, tools, guns and rules. A children's book about gun safety. And the second book is more geared towards parents. I feel gun guns the right way. Introducing kids to firearm safety and shooting. Those are two good resources that you can start out with to get you going on the right track. If you're trying to break it down to the kids, right? Uh, both of those are going to be on Amazon. I will leave link in the descriptions to both of those. Okay. Uh, what I mean by link in the description, link into the uh, in the description in the, in the, in the post um, for this episode, for this podcast episode. Uh, so those are two good books to, to, to check out. Um, yeah, man. They that's just where to start. You have to start with good safety. Once you once you educate and empower and remove the boogeyman, everything else becomes so much simpler. Everything else becomes so much easier. And you remove that stigma of fear behind this this imaginary boogeyman that's been created about firearms. OK, so safety. 
is important. Last, we'll wrap it up with storage. Okay. So how are you going to properly, you need to know how you're going to store this firearm before you buy it. That means you need to have access to a safe. If you already have a safe, you need to, if you don't have a safe, you need to buy a safe. And those are things that are going to properly help you store this weapon. Okay. That's the only thing safes are. Now there's a couple of companies that I would suggest for safes, and that's going to be vault tech. Oh, well three technically, but one's for a, a rifle setup. If you're, I know we're talking mainly pistol here. So I would say vault tech or gun or gun vault. Those are two good companies that if you're looking for a good sound pistol safe that you can look into, if you want to get a small biometric or numerical safe that you can buy from Lowe's, Walmart, Target, uh, Home Depot, Dick Sporting Goods. If you want to buy one of those small little numerical or biometric gun safes that they sell for those that are solid, buy one of those. You know, I'm not knocking you for that. Buy one of those. Buy what's going to be work for you. But Gun Vault and Vault Tech are two that I would suggest for uh, first time gun owners who are looking for somewhere to start. Also, this one's a little bit more expensive, but I like them also. I'll throw them in here. Gun Box. Gun Box is really good too. I'll leave links in the description to their website so you can look into those. Uh, further, but those are going to be the ones I would suggest. Okay, when it comes down to safety and storage, when when it comes down to storage, you need to know where it's stored at. The wife needs to know where it's stored at, or the significant other, and the kids need to know where they're stored at and know not to touch it. Right? They obviously they don't need to know the combination. That's a that's an obvious one, right? So they don't need to know that, but they need to know where it's stored and know that they don't need to be anywhere around there touching that item or trying to fiddle with it because obviously it needs to be out of their out of their eyesight. And the last one I was going to mention safe wise, I'll throw them in here also is Liberty safes. I don't know if Liberty makes any small safes like small for like pistol safes. I know they make the bigger safes. If you have like multiple guns and rifles, they make those and Liberty safes make some of the best safes on the market. Uh, so if you're interested in it, if you're watching and you have knowledge about safes and you're looking at for a bigger or better or a good safe, Liberty safe is the one that you want to check out. All right. So that's pretty much about it for the top five things. Uh, new gun buyers need to consider. So number one, purpose, right? Number two, uh, number one, purpose. Number two, no understanding laws. Number three, training. Uh, number four, safety. And then number five, storage, okay? Take all those things in consideration. I'll leave information in the description on the links. Uh, but those things you need to consider, take those time, take the time, invest in, the, invest in this knowledge so you can be better prepared later when you start making up uh purchasing new decisions okay all right next we're gonna go into my top five guns for first-time gun buyers all right changing gears a little bit now i will discuss the top five pistols for first-time gun buyers before anyone gets their theoretical panties in a bunch this is my opinion people it's not the gospel set in stone i'm not moses coming down from the mountain telling you these are the top five pistols that you should own and only own okay um this is solely my opinion you can take or leave it you can disagree with it you can have guns in different positions in my top five that's completely all fine what i want you to do potentially give me your top five if you're far uh, already uh in the community and you're already uh, a gun owner what are your top five pistols for first-time gun owners okay i'm curious to hear what that is but i just want to get that cleared up and out of the way man this is not the gospel these are just my suggestions as my time as being a range safety officer slash instructor for basic pistol classes and etc okay so chill people
chill. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not Moses coming down from, from the mountaintop. All right. So I get this question all the time from first time, uh, first time gun buyers, right? Especially if they're buying a pistol, they're like, what pistol should I buy? And I'm like, I don't know. And they look at me lost. Like, well, yeah, you should know. I'm like, no, I don't know. I said, I said, buying a firearm is a deeply personal decision and is a personal responsibility on you. I always tell customers, whatever you shoot the best, that is the firearm you need to own. Um, so I always give customers analogies, right? So when customers come in, they're just looking to rent some guns of some pistols to shoot because they want to potentially buy their own firearm uh, for self-defense or for home defense. This is the analogy I give. I give the car analogy. I said, would you ever buy a car without test driving it? Most people tell you no. I'm like, that's the correct answer. Okay. So just because I like Fords doesn't mean that you're going to like Fords. Just because I like BMW doesn't mean you're going to like BMW. Just because I like Mercedes doesn't mean I'm going to like Audi. These are examples I give people. So what you have to do, one, you have to find the car that's right for you. Are you looking for a sedan? Are you looking for a compact? Are you looking for an SUV? Are you looking for a crossover? You have to figure out what works for you individually or for your family to help fit your needs the best. I tell people it's the same thing with firearms. I cannot tell you what to buy. I cannot tell you how to spend your money. That is a personal decision that you have to figure out by yourself. But I say the only way you're going to be able to do that is you got to test drive. You got to try these guns out. And I said, just because I might suggest the Glock for you, let's say you might shoot the Smith & Wesson M&P 2.0 better, or you might shoot something else better. It does. That's the one you need to shoot. That's the one you need to purchase. You need to shoot the one that you're naturally is you're comfortable with and you're the most effective with. I may be more effective with Glocks. You might be more effective with SIGs. This person, this next person might be more effective with HKs. This next person might be more accurate and effective with CZs. If you're using a gun for personal defense, home defense, you need to find a gun that you're going to be able to put down a target with, with no questions asked, with efficiently and effectively. Don't worry about what my opinion is. My opinion don't mean shit at this point in time. And I tell customers that all the time. My opinion don't mean shit because at the end of the day, it's not my life that's going to be at, on the line. It's going to be yours. And you need to find out what's going to work best for you. So my thing is test drive, test drive guns, people just go out there and find out what works and whatever works for you buy that. I don't give a care what nobody fucking say because people will give you shit because people don't like M&P. Oh, you bought an M&P. Ooh, trash. Or, oh, you bought a SIG. Oh, you bougie trash. You know what I'm saying? Don't 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 play into those games. A lot of people within the community are going to give you their personal opinions of what they shoot best. My personal opinion don't matter because it's not my life that's on the line at that point in time. It is yours. So if you shoot that MMP shield like a boss, buy that MMP shield and continue to shoot that MMP shield like a boss. If you buy a Glock and you shoot that like a boss, buy that Glock and continue to shoot it like a boss and get the proper training. If you buy that CZ, uh, that CZ P10 and you shoot it like a boss, buy that CZ P10 and shoot it like a boss. That is all up on you on the individual. So that's always my suggestion. The car analogy, test drive these bad boys, see what they're about and then go from there. That's the only thing you can really do. Like I'm going to give you guidance and I'm going to ask you for your feedback, which is when a customer comes in, I'll give them a few different guns, shoot, we'll go a few, shoot a few different guns and I'll get their feedback to figure out what works for them. That's what you need to do. You got to figure out what works for you, boo boo. And once you figure out what works for you, go do you.
That's all that matters, okay? Because your personal safety is on the line. Nobody else's. So nobody else's opinion matters. That's why I tell them, I don't know what's the best gun for you. Let's go find out. And that's why I always, that's why I always give them. So on this list, it's only gonna, I'm only going to stick to striker fires, okay? And I'm going to give you four reasons why I'm only going to mainly stick to striker fires, okay? There's only not going to be any hammer fire pistols on this list. Uh, four reasons for striker fires. Once, uh, the first one, easy trigger pull. You're going to have one solid trigger pull throughout, okay? You're not going to have, like with a double action slash single action, a heavy trigger pull and a lighter trigger pull. With a striker fire pistol, you're going to have one solid trigger pull. It's going to be the same trigger weight. Uh, the same trigger pull and trigger weight every time. It's not gonna. Uh, it's not gonna be any difference. All right. Uh, second, striker fire pistols have less moving parts to them, so they're a lot easier to learn how to disassemble and reassemble. And even when you want to start getting in the nitty gritty, when you want to take your slide all the way completely apart, when you feel like you've reached that level, it's gonna be a lot easier. There's less few moving parts in a striker fire pistol versus a hammer fire pistol. That's another reason why I'm gonna suggest uh, striker fires only. A uh, third striker fire pistols are usually a little bit cheaper than hammer fire pistols. Okay. Or even revolvers. So they're going to be a little bit cheaper, uh, for a Glock, you're going to pay about $500 for probably in this market might be a little bit more because everything has been going on. But back in the day, last year for all the star popping off, I think Glocks were selling about five. I think they're still selling about $500, $500 plus that. If you want to buy like a SIG 226, which is a nice, nice introductory hammer fire pistol, uh, with double action and single action, you're going to pay anywhere seven between seven to eight hundred dollars on that. So you're saving yourself a kind of a hundred dollars. You have less, uh, less, uh, entry level, uh, what's what I'm looking for. You're going to have less, um, the learning curve on it, on, on dissing and assing it is going to be a little bit shorter, uh, than it is on a hammer fire pistol. So a hammer fire pistol is going to have a little bit more, especially when you get into the more nitty gritty aspects of disassembly of the whole slide and all that good jazz is going to be a little bit more labor intensive than it is first strike fire. So the knowledge curve on how to disassemble is a lot shorter compared uh, to a hammer fire with a strike fire. And uh, uh, finally, uh, which is, I think is something important is that strike fire pistols, they have a good aftermarket infrastructure. Okay. Glock, SIG, MMP 2.0s. They, uh, they have a good aftermarket uh, infrastructure. So if you want to upgrade your barrel, uh, if you want to upgrade your trigger from a stock trigger, if you want to get some stempling done for it to help with your grip a little bit more, uh, if you want to get a lighter slide, do some slide serrations, uh, get a lighter slide. So do some window cuts, uh, do some windows and get some serrations on your pistol. You can do that. Uh, so that's why I like striker fires. Also, the uh, the aftermarket infrastructure is so much greater, especially for Glocks. Sigs are pretty up there for the 320 series. For for that one, there there a lot of lot of infrastructure on that. Uh, MMP. I don't own any MMPs, but I've seen that they have pretty solid infrastructure when it comes down to upgrades. Uh, the CZP10 has a pretty solid infrastructure for upgrades. Uh, more primary machine and a few other people uh, focus on on those weapon systems. Uh, on those pistols, uh, I should say. So those are the four reasons I'm, I'm, I'm going to suggest striker fires. Okay. Like I said, one consistent trigger pull two, easy to diss and ass three price four at the market. All right. So those are the, those are the reasons why I'm choosing that. All right. So my top five pistols in no specific order, these are going to be my top five pistols. They're all striker fires. Okay. And these are all going to be full size pistols. Okay. 
So we're going to have our Glock 17, the OG on the list. All right. Glocks are used by everybody. Law enforcement, military, not our military, but militaries around the world use uh, Glocks, uh, SWAT teams, all that good stuff. People use Glocks day in and day out. They're reliable handguns. A good starter handgun, Glock 17. A P320, a SIG P320. It's a good weapons platform. It's going to be strike fired also. Uh, ever since it came out a few years ago, it has been taking the industry by storm. And the modularity of that weapon system is great. So for people, for new shooters, so instead of the frame being the serialized component on a P320, the trigger, the trigger pack is. So the trigger group and the trigger housing is going to be the things that's going to be serialized. So what it allows you to do, it allows you to flip frames to a different frame that's going to work for you and you can go small medium large frame right so you might have a large frame for for uh for home defense for home defense stuff you might have a compact compact frame excuse me for personal for uh for uh ccw stuff you might want to have a subcompact if you want a little bit smaller the only thing you have to do is change out the slides and you pretty much you're pretty much ready to rock and roll the modularity that is there is pretty dope also with the M17, uh, not with the M17, but with with the P320, Flux Defense makes a brace for it uh, that gives you still that uh, concealability. But if you need to pop it out of your bag or something like that, it easily converts it into a uh, a PCC or SBR, um, and you can just pop it in your bag, grab it out, and now you got a bag gun. So it gives you that, vers that versatility. Like the P320 series has a good aftermarket uh, community and architecture. And it has a lot of good accessories that you can put onto it. And also, not not to hate on it, you can do that with Glock also. Glock also has a flux defense brace that you can get on it. I think it only works for Gen 3 and 4 right now. But you can also do that. So if you also want to make your Glock into like a little bag gun or whatever, instead of buying a PCC, now you got that flexibility to do it with a Glock also. Uh, CCA, CAA makes them also that you can just throw your Glock into their, uh, into their system. And now you got a now you got a pistol caliber carbine, you know what I'm saying, uh, or a bad gun that you need if you want to convert it to a bad gun. So it gives you a few options there. Glock and Sig does. I'm a really big fan of Flux. Uh, Flux makes some really really good products. I'm on a wait list right now for a Flux Raider uh, for my M17. So I am trying to turn my M17 and give that flexibility to turn it into my bad gun if I need to. Uh, so we have Glock. Uh, Glock 17, uh, SIG P320. Uh, we have the CZ P10, which is going to be the full size one, not the compact. So CZ now makes a full size of the P10. I really like the P10s. Uh, good infrastructure when it comes down to accessories. Uh, good solid gun to shoot. It shoots surprises and lights. Has a good clean trigger for a stock trigger. I can't really say anything bad about it. I know this is a complaint. I think the grip angle is a little... Uh, too deep for me. Uh, on the on the back strap, it has a really pronounced and deep uh, back strap that kind of forms into a beaver tail. I think that's a little too deep for me. I have like long fingers, right? Not really meaty, so it kind of like messes with my grip a little bit. Um, but that's just me personally. Um, CZP10 though, solid, good, reliable gun. Uh, really nice. Uh, it kind of has a low uh height over bore situation or am i saying not high over bore i'm trying to, i'm misphrasing the thing i'm trying to say so for, forget that scratch that um 
but uh low bore it has a low bore axis that's what i was gonna i think i'm trying to get after but all right simba it is time all right now i'm gonna discuss my top five pistols for first-time gun buyers okay and no pacific order so nobody get their panties in a bunch all right no pacific order here all right so where we're we gonna go first glock 17 all right so glock 17 is used by military and law enforcement throughout the world uh, it's a good solid gun it is uh, just a good solid firearm man a good solid pistol to start with has an awesome infrastructure when it comes down to the aftermarket uh if you want a barrel trigger stippling work slide work done you can all get it you can get it done by somebody for a reasonable price for glocks just plain and simple uh they're a good base gun to start off with like Honestly, you can get a solid Glock and not make much changes to it. If you can get a Glock with the the night sights already put on it and a good solid trigger, uh, not even good solid trigger, just a standard trigger, that's a good Glock out of the box that you don't have to make any adjustments for. Uh, I think Glocks are, you can get, I think Glocks are solid like that, uh, that there's not much adjustment that needs to be made to them. Uh, a trigger's not going to make you shoot better. A barrel's not going to make you shoot better. And having good iron sights, like night, day slash night sights, that makes a difference because now you can use it in day, day and uh, nighttime conditions. All right, right? you're going to be able to see your sights. Uh, that doesn't really make you a better shooter, though. Uh, only thing that's going to make you a better shooter is drills, practice, and firing, right? Just perfecting your craft, just like anything else. Uh, but it has a really good solid infrastructure, and Glock 17 is my going to be first on the list, okay? Uh, number two. Sig P320. All right, I'm a big fan of Sig P320 platform. Uh, it is our current military service pistol. It replaced the Beretta N9, uh, so now that is our current service pistol. It is categorized as, or nomenclature for it is the M17, which is going to be the full size. M18 is going to be the compact, but it's a Sig P320. Uh, I'm a really big fan of those. The reason why I'm a big fan of those is mainly the reason is because it's modular. Okay, so with most firearms. With most pistols, let me correct myself. With most pistols, the the serialized part is going to be the frame. With the P320, it changes that whole situation up. And the serialized part is the fire control group. So you're able to take out that fire control group, drop it into other grip modules. And now you can go from, say, let's say I had a full size. I can go from a full size to a carry. Or if I had a carry, I can go from a carry to a compact or a carry to a subcompact. Only thing I got to do is make sure I just take out the take out the fire control group, make sure I have the appropriate slide length to to go with that, uh to go with that, uh that grip module. And then you're good to go, player. You can turn that out to anything that you want into. So it gives you that versatility. Also, uh, even though it's only been out there for a few hours, for yeah, a few years, only, even though it's only been out there for a few years. <laughs> Uh, tongue tied. Uh, it still has a good aftermarket infrastructure. You can buy uh, barrels, triggers, uh, sights. You know, stempling work done, slide serrations, windows, all that stuff can be done with the P three twenty with ease, and it's not. Go it's going to be a little bit more expensive, but it's not going to cause your arm and leg. All right. So the P three twenty. Another thing I like about the P three twenty, which also applies to the Glock. I'm a really big fan of Flux Defense. Uh, Flux Defense uh makes braces uh for your pistol or for in this case for the m17 you have the m17 uh the original one then you have the m17 raider you can drop your fire control group in there and your slide on there and now you basically converted 
your weapon system into a PCC, a pistol caliber carbine, right? Because it's going to have a little, uh, a little uh, stock that that pops out of the system that you're able to brace it into your shoulder, get a little bit more accuracy. So if you wanted to turn it into a bag gun, which I'm going to plan on doing with my P320, whenever uh, I get on, I'm on the mailing list now to where uh, Flux lets me know that they're back in stock. I'm going to snatch one up and I'm going to do that to my P320. I'm going to bribe one of those Raiders and it's going to turn into a bag gun. So if I ever need to pop the trunk or I need to pull something out of the bag, I can pull it out of the bag and go do work real quick. Uh, this also applies to the Glock 17. Glock 17 has the same thing. Flux Defense has a brace for them that you can use that you can attach to a Glock 17. Um, and you can uh, it can collapse and unfold into your bag. So it's easy to carry hard, uh, easy to carry, easy to conceal. If you want to put it in a bag or something, now you got a PCC at your fingertips. OK, uh, CAA also does the same thing where you can drop your Glock into it and then run it like a PCC. Uh, so that's a nice modularity. Uh, that you get out of the the P320 and the um, the Glock 17. Next on this list, number three is going to be the CZ pen, the CZP10 full size. All right, so when the CZP10 came out, it was originally a compact. Now they make a full size version of it. Uh, I'm a fan of the CZP10. Like I said, another company with good, uh, another good aftermarket infrastructure for the weapon system. Um, I've shot it before. I think it's a really nice shooting gun. Uh, I was suggested to, I, I have suggested it to people. Uh, my thing with the CZP-10, and it's just me nitpicking, man. This is just me personal preference. I don't like how deep the back strap goes to create that beaver tail. I'm more of a man that likes a 1911 style uh, back strap. I think it goes a little too deep. So the ergonomics for me are a little bit off and it feels a little bit funky in my hand. But I shoot it well, so I can't really hate on it uh the results are in the uh, uh the results are in the proof right so i shoot it well um so i can't really complain about it so i really like that one a lot that's just my one main gripe like i said solid infrastructure in it if you want uh aftermarket infrastructure if you want to get a barrel for it do some slide work get stippling done get a new trigger for it easy done uh the places i will look into for slides and barrels is primary uh primary machine i don't know who really makes aftermarket triggers for it oh Apex. Yeah, Apex, I think, does and somebody else. But uh, those are the places I've looked into for that. Fourth on the list, HK VP9. Uh, HK VP9 is kind of a weird one because it's not really full size and it's not really compact. It's like floating in the middle uh, lengthwise and size wise. So it's kind of a weird one. Uh, I like the ergonomics on the VP9. I love the way it shoots. Uh, it is basically a it is essentially it is it is a striker fire version of the HK p30 it is exactly that is a strike fire version of hkp30 and i'm a big fan of the hkp30l uh we have one at the range i've shot it plenty of times people recognize the hkp30l if you're listening to this podcast and you need a reference it's the pistol from the first john wick movie where he's going throughout the house when they uh when those assassins come to his house and they're trying to murk him and he's doing work with a pistol that's a p30l with a comp on it it's, it's, it's pretty nice. P30Ls are pretty good solid uh, hammer fire pistols. And the P uh, the VP9 is a solid striker fire. Good at the market support. Not as good as the other companies. V, uh, HK is kind of like, it's rough with HKs, man. Because like they want they want to have at the market parts, but they only want to make approved at the market parts. And they're kind of like stingy on who can make their at the market parts, if that makes any sense. They have to kind of like not really be licensed. I just know they're difficult 
find it. You can make you can find aftermarket parts for it, but most of them are going to come through HK. They're kind of sticklers about stuff like that. Uh, and then my last one out of the top five, and then we'll go to a dark horse, which I had a dark horse in this situation uh, for this list uh, is going to be the Smith & Wesson M&P 2.0 full size. Um, shot the M&P 2.0 solid gun. Don't have much complaints about it, man. Um, I think that my biggest issue with the M&P 2.0s is the trigger is a little mushy. That's just personal opinion, though. I'm pretty sure you can drop in an aftermarket agency trigger or a Overwatch precision trigger in it, and it'll and it'll work like it'll be uh it'll work like a charm. Uh, that mushy standard trigger is just mainly me. That's the only really big thing I can see about it. Aesthetically, I don't think it's visually pleasing, but that's just a personal thing again. Uh, it shoots well. It's not a bad gun at all. I think it's a really good gun, to be honest with you. Uh, like I said, it's just not my flavor of the month, man. My biggest thing is the trigger on it. You can polish the trigger and, you know, the internals and all that stuff and get a new trigger on it and probably clear that up real fast. Kind of don't like the grip angle on it. It doesn't really feel that good in my hand. Um, yeah. It's just me, just Nate Piggy. That's completely personal on that one. Why it's number five for me. I know it's a good solid gun. I don't shoot it. I shoot it okay. Don't shoot it half bad. But it's more of a personal thing on that one. So uh, that is the uh, Smith & Wesson, uh, Wesson M&P 2.0 full-size version of that pistol. Now, my Dark Horse. And this pistol is technically cheaper than all the other pistols I've been talking about. It's also a striker fire. Uh, it is the Canic TP9. Now, the Canic TP9, when we first got them on the range, I was skeptical of these guns. I was. I'm like, this gun is $350, comes with two magazines. It looks like a mix between, it looks like Glock, not even Glock. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a Glock and a VP9 had a baby and made and made the Canic TP9. Um, just like, yeah, that's the best way to equate it. It's like Glock and a and a, and an HK VP9 had a baby. Um, and that's and there you go. That's where you, that's where you got. Now the thing that surprised me with the the Canic TP9 was the trigger. Had solid sights. You had uh like kind of like competition sights where you had uh the blackout rear sight that was serrated and then a, a you know a white dot front sight. Felt good in the hand. When you look at it, the the internals of it is like a mix between like a Glock and something else. I can't remember what it reminds me of the inside on the internals. Like a it's like a mix between it's definitely like Glockish internals on the inside. Uh, so it's gonna be very familiar to people. And even the takedown of it is kind of like a Glock. So that's going to be super familiar to people. Um, but the trigger on it is surprisingly good. Nice, clean, and crisp break on it. Nice, uh, nice, good reset. And I was surprised how good the trigger was. And I remember a uh, short story here. I remember I was talking to, I had went to a uh, shot show and I was at the Walters booth and I was telling them, I was talking to one of the, one of the guys there about how much the Canon TP9 surprised me with the trigger. And he was like, oh, yeah, they stole our design. I was like, word? And he was like, yeah, we've actually um, we've actually went after them legally about the situation. I was like, oh, so it's your trigger design. And he was like, yep. 
I was like, oh, oh well, y'all got a really dope trigger, man. <laughs> like, cause I had by that time I hadn't shot Walters yet. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Walters too. Um, but yeah, I was like, man, I was like, I was like, oh, okay, okay, that's cool. Like the trigger is surprisingly nice, and for what you can get it for, like I said, about 350 bucks, and everything it comes with, and it's a good solid pistol. I think it's a worthy of a buy. Like I, that's why I call it my dark horse selection. The only thing about it is it doesn't have a good aftermarket infrastructure. Uh, I think it as it begins to catch on here more in the U.S. and people see that it's more viable to invest in the infrastructure for it, aftermarket infrastructure for it, it'll start popping off. As of right now, it's small and it's timid and trying to find stuff is kind of hard for uh, kind of hard for people. Uh, so that's why I say it's a, it's a dark horse in my book now. If you want to get an all complete Gucci ride one, this is gonna be a, it's gonna be a nice ride. Uh, uh, Canic teamed up with Salient to make a, a compact variant of theirs. Uh, I can't remember what's the name of it officially, but uh, I'll leave the link in the description to it. But Canic makes uh, Canic and Salient came together, and what Salient did, they took the pistol and just upgraded it. You got an upgraded trigger, you got a threaded barrel for a comper suppressor. Uh, is running saline internals that uh, that they polished up and designed and did all that stuff and it shoots like a beast and that reset is nasty. Like uh, a couple of my buddies have one. They have uh, Leopolds on top of them and I've shot them and they shoot phenomenal, man. That pistol is money. And the thing about that pistol, you'll be paying a little bit more for it. It's like 750 bucks, right, that, right around that MSRP price range. But you're getting a salient done pistol. Think about this. A salient arms international done pistol for $750. You ain't going to get that with a Glock. Try to go get a salient Glock. Go Try to go get a salient Glock at that price. You ain't going to never find one because they're going to lease start at two. So think about that, people. That's another selection that you need to think about, too. Uh, so Canic uh, TP9 is going to be my dark horse uh, selection when it comes down to the top five. So we have my top five. Glock 17. P320, uh, what was CZP10, HKVP9, uh, Smith and Wesson MP2.0, and then the Dark Horse, which is going to be the the Canic uh, TP9. All right, on to the final part of the episode for episode two of the Gear Room. We're going to be discussing my Super Bowl predictions and analysis. Now, this is a straight amateur analysis, man. I'm not a professional. I never grew up playing football. I played football for one season. I found out it wasn't for me. I stuck to baseball. Okay. All right. But I do love football. I prefer watching college. So I wanted to talk about it because today, tonight's the Super Bowl. And I just wanted to get my thoughts out about it now. We have the Chiefs going against the Bucks. Tomlin came to Tomlin came to my hometown team, the Bucks. I grew up in the Tampa Bay area. Tom's going down to my hometown team, the Bucks. They balled out this year. They've had some rough edges, and they have some areas of weakness that I'm going to discuss. And then we got the Chiefs, who just did whatever they want. Patrick Mahomes had another great season. Tyreek Hill was doing what he wanted. Uh, Travis Kelsey did what he wanted. Uh, that team is pretty solid all the way up and down. They got a pretty solid defense. Uh, okay, I want to say solid. Okay, they got a solid defense. They'll stop you when it matters. I feel like they have some weaknesses in their defense, but they got a defense that's a championship defense that can get it done, right? So when it comes down to it, 
I think this game is going to be a game of who has the ball last, to be honest with you. Whoever has the last possession in the fourth quarter is going to win this game. I do not think it's going to be a low scoring affair at all. Uh, these are my two estimates for scores. I think it's going to be either be 38-41, either team. It could be 38-41 Bucks. It could be 38-41 Chiefs. I don't think it's going to be a lower scoring game. And I'll give my reasons why for that in a minute. Or it's going to be like a they're going to both be in the 20s. Like it's going to be like 2023, uh, you know what I'm saying, 24-27. Uh, I think that's where we're going to be balling at. Those are going to be the two scores, either both teams in the mid 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 to low 20s or it's going to be like a 38-41 game. That's why I feel like. And the main reason I, I, I give this estimation is because of their defenses. Their defenses, especially let's start off with the Bucks defense, okay? The Bucks defense has its weaknesses, okay? And their weakness mainly is the secondary. Their secondary, in my opinion, just mine, sucks. Their secondary sucks. They have a good line. They have a good defensive line. They got good linebackers, but their secondary is so soft and porous that they get abused, man. They get abused time and time again. Their defense, the the, the weakness of their defense is their secondary. Their line is good, solid. You got Simeon Rice down there and a couple of and, uh, another dude. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, you got good linebackers. Secondary is their weakness. So Patrick Mahomes, knowing his ability to create, if they don't do something to help out and see the thing about it, they can't they can't leave Tyreek Hill by himself. They can't say I'm going I want to have a cornerback one up uh, go man on go man on man man to man with Tyreek Hill because either Tyreek Hill going to beat him by uh, outrunning him or he's just going to run a, 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 a fantastic route and he's going to beat him that way. So Tyreek Hill can beat you in both ways. Uh, he's an explosive player. At any point in the field, you have to be cognizant of Tyreek, right? So they just can't leave man-on-man coverage on Tyreek because whoever's playing man-on-man coverage is going to be beat. So you don't have to put two people on Tyreek, and then you can't forget about Kelsey down there in the flats or their running game, you know what I'm saying, who who uh, who Patrick can uh, toss it out to. And then Patrick can run himself, so it gives them that versatility. So the secondary is going to have to step up for the Bucks. They have any type of chance in this game. The secondary is going to have to show up. They're going to have to show up and show out. Because if they don't and they get abused by Patrick, this game's going to be a blowout. Just my opinion again. This game's going to be a blowout because if they don't make those necessary adjustments in the secondary, that's where Tampa is porous at. So Tampa can get abused there. And I'm pretty sure the, the, the Patriots, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs know that. They will get abused. And Andy Reid is a good enough coach. I liked him back in his years when he was in Philadelphia because I was a big Donovan and Nat fan growing up. Uh, I like what he did in Philadelphia. If and and Andy Reid's a good enough coach where he will abuse you if you give him the the, opportun- the opportunity because he is a offensive coach. So if you give him the the holes to abuse you in that secondary, he's going to abuse you. So that secondary is their key to winning this game, in my opinion. The Bucks has a pretty solid defense from. From a uh, lineman, uh, from from D line to linebacker. As soon as you hit that second, that 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 level of secondary, that's where they're weak at, man, and that's going to be trouble for them. So if Tampa can sure up that part of their defense, they could be they could be pretty solid. And it could be an interesting game. Obviously, the defense is going to have to get after Patrick. Uh, the D line of those linebackers is going to have to get out Patrick. But the thing about Patrick, he's a wily one. 
So he has great mobility and great speed uh, for for run, not for a running back for a quarterback, and he has an excellent arm. The man makes all types of outrageous passes that I nobody has ever seen a quarterback be able to play. Like he plays, he plays the game. And this is an analogy I'm going to use because I really like this player. Also, he plays the game like Allen Iverson. Like his vision and his ways to create plays. Allen Iverson, his prime. I feel like nobody can. Nobody was a better ball handler or passer than him. And that's what I see. Patrick Mahomes ass like when he's out and he's ad-libbing and he needs to create himself time to make a play he's going to get that play because he's going to be able to outmaneuver you long enough till he can get that person where he dunk it or he can go long or he can take it himself Allen Iverson was the same thing on the court you didn't want to go iso with Allen Allen was going to murk you he was going to break your ankles and then if he if you wanted to if you wanted to go one-on-one with him or you wanted to isolate him he could still get the ball to the people, to to uh, his supporting cast, to make buckets. But I understand during Allen's prime, he was a one man show, and I know Patrick's not a one man show. I'm just talking about skill sets. I'm doing skill sets comparisons here. All right, so you got that. When it comes down to the Bucks defense, they can play with the Chiefs. Ain't no questions about that. They can play with the Chiefs. You got Tom. Nobody sleeps on Tom. You got people that hate on Tom for being the GOAT. And Tom's just proven himself that he is the GOAT, that he's the greatest of, the greatest of what he did. Now, some people say, oh, he got, he went to a loaded Tampa team. He did, and that was smart on him. Nobody said anything about Peyton going to a good team when he left the Colts, you know what I'm saying, or or other quarterbacks who were with one team for long times in their career for the majority of their career. They went to other teams where they were successful. You know, the divorce between Green Bay – and Brett Favre wasn't a nice one, but he went to another team that was pretty much loaded. And, you know, he went to the playoffs, you know, while he was with the Vikings and stuff like that. So you can't hate on that shine, man. Like, yeah, Tom Brady did what was best for him. He put himself where he actually had weapons because he didn't have them the last few years with the Patriots. And he got himself some weapons and he proved that he can still ball. And the man wants to play to 45. I think he can. So everybody's going to hate him because he's a goat, right? So Tom's going to have to. Not Tom. That that's something that Tom deals with. And I think he enjoys that pressure. But Tom has the record the record set of weapons to be successful. He got Mike Evans. He got Antonio Brown. He got Leonard Fournette, who's seen a resurgence going to Tampa. He has uh Ronald Jones the third. Two good running backs, great wide receivers. He got wide receivers, he got Evans, Godwin, Brown. And then you got two solid running backs. Tom at Tom at quarterback, and then he got his homeboy from the Patriots days. He got Gronk, so he got a tight end. So he's loaded offensively. His offensive line is not; it's solid. Could be better. Any, anything could always be better. Solid offensive line, and we've seen Tampa do what they wanted offensively, right? So they can keep up offensively with the Chiefs. Like I said, their big question is, what are they gonna do to stop the Chiefs? And their secondary is the key to that. Now. When it comes down to the Chiefs, they have a lot of strengths. They got Patrick. They got Tyreek. They got a good running game. They got Kelsey. You know what I'm saying? Kelsey's his man. Like, Kelsey gets what? Kelsey catches about eight to ten passes a game for about 100 yards. Maybe throw a two t- uh, throw in a TD or two into there. And then, like, Kelsey gets big grabs at crucial moments. Like, that man is a playmaker. So, you got Tyreek. You got Kelsey. Kelsey is like his safety net. You got Patrick who can create plays with his feet. 
has a phenomenal arm. He can do whatever he wants with the football, a.k.a. Allen Iverson. He can do whatever he wants with the basketball, right? Analogy applies. So you have that to contend with. They have a solid defense. I feel like their defense is solid all the way around. I've seen them being weak sometimes uh, throughout the season where they've let off a lot of points. I think their secondary can kind of be is kind of their uh, their weakness too, but not as bad as a weakness as Tampa. I feel, but I don't bet against Tom Brady. My personal b- opinion on this, I feel like the Chiefs are going to win a close game. And my opinion is the Bucks might win a close game, but it depends on who who gets the ball last. You never you never doubt against the GOAT. That's like down against Michael Jordan. Like a lot of people might hate Michael Jordan, but you never bet against that man. And I think a lot of people are taking that in consideration that they don't want to bet against Brady because when time has come, push, come to shove, that man has showed up. No questions asked. And I don't know why people hate on his success so much. Going on a quick, brief rant about Tom Brady here. I don't understand why people hate on his success so much. The man was picked in the last round of the draft. I think one of the last players in that draft, too, if not the last player of the draft, came from Michigan, which he has a good college pedigree. Nobody had any expectations of him of being a good football player besides Tom fucking Brady. And over these years, the man just said, give me a chance. He got that chance, coach. And he has been balling out and showing why he is the greatest of all time. And when you talk to the man, he said he always wanted to be the greatest of all time. He had that personal belief. And I think people hate on him because he's so successful. Can't hate on a man because he won the championships. He's putting in the work to be successful. Like LeBron puts in the work to be successful. MJ put in the work to be successful. These people who are giants within their within their individual game and their sports, they put in the work to be those beasts. Muhammad Ali put in work to be those beasts, to be that beast. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali put in work to be that beast. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard put in work to be that beast. These people put in work to be considered greatest uh, goats in their game, or at least greatest, at least within the greats of their within within their specific sports so you can't hate on the man shine you know what i'm saying like i think people hated on the patriots because the patriots are winning and they were here or there you can call them cheaters uh on some on some regards depending on how you see it but overall man like tom brady is the goat ain't nobody doing it better than him try to find somebody doing better than him and then I'll, i'll give it to you now this can go into all types of caveats because personally when it comes down to regular season peyton manning was probably the best the best quarterback you can find during the regular season. Just looking at statistics, look at numbers. Obviously, Tom has beaten all those numbers. But when you look at numbers, when they retire at the time, Peyton had way better regular season numbers than Tom ever did. And I feel like when it came down to the regular season, Peyton had the stuff. Peyton couldn't pull it off in the playoffs. He got two Super Bowls. But I'm saying like playoff Peyton for most of his career, you know, you can not rely on him, dude. Tom, his playoff career, you know you can lie on him, dude. And I think that's the thing that people are banking on. They're banking on not voting against Tom Brady. I am kind of in that inclination. But I'm going to say the Chiefs are going to win this game. Like I said, either the score is going to be 38-41 Chiefs, something like that, or 27-23 Chiefs. And those numbers could easily be flipped. Like I said, Whoever has the ball last and the possession last, I feel is going to win this game because you got two phenomenal quarterbacks. You got the old regime and uh, Tom. You got the old school and the new school and the new school kid on the block. I don't know. I don't know who can really stop him, dude. When when Patrick is going full speed, 
He is a bad man. And the only person that I've seen close to his skill set is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers can make the type of throws and do this type of stuff. Like Aaron Rodgers was was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. And what Patrick Mahomes is, is an evolution of Aaron Rodgers. That's all he is. He's just a straight up evolution of Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, man, who, like, man, it's going to come down to the defenses. It's going to be, it's going to come down to the defenses who's able to make the critical stops when it counts. That's going to, that's who's going to win this Super Bowl. Uh, whoever gets the ball last under two minutes, and let's say it's a tie game, mm, that's the first prize probably going to win this game. Don't play no games, man. This is going to be an interesting game. I'm happy for Tom. I'm happy for Patrick. I liked him when he was going down to Texas Tech. I used to follow him there. Uh, even though I'm a big Florida State fan, I watch a lot of college football. I've seen him do amazing stuff at Texas Tech. I knew he was legit. I'm happy for him and all the success, man. Uh, I'm happy for Tom is all success. I wish both of the teams the best. Uh- Alrighty then, that wraps it up for episode two of The Gear Room. Today we discussed top five things for first-time gun buyers to consider, top five pistols for first-time gun buyers, and my Super Bowl analysis and prediction. I will leave all the necessary links in the description for your research. This is your boy Drew from The Gear Room. Until next time, peace.